dead and we couldn't figure out how to get it back up again. Technological user issues. So welcome to the May Rockstar Book Club series. And I'm so excited today for our book and our author who's here to help share her wisdom and her expertise. So Chelsea Pites is uh, the author of What to Post. Um, I read the book months and months ago when it first came out. I was like, oh, this, I mean, Chelsea, I have red marks everywhere in this book and yellow highlighters. So I can't wait to share your wisdom with our audience. We, uh, Greg Parsons and I, co-host this book club for now, I don't know, going on five years. Barry Wolf is always uh, in attendance when he can, which is 90% of the time. And like I shared with you, we post this on my YouTube channel. So months and months later, people will say, I just listened to the book club on blah, blah, blah. So um, you might get, you know, people reaching out to you months after this who listened to it later on. So welcome, Chelsea. Thank you so much. I'm beyond honored to even be on a, a call like this where uh, we're talking about my book, because in my mind, I just sort of put it together for me and thought, well, if anybody else, you know, might get some value out of it, great. And so it's a little bit mind blowing to actually be talking about uh, the book itself. So thank you for the opportunity. And I was really excited to be able to collaborate with some of the people on this call for that book too. Oh, uh, so and had you written another book before this one? I did. My first book was called Talking in Pictures, and it was about this idea um, of how cameras and camera first communication has changed how we're going to create communities in the future, how we're going to be doing business, how we're going to be uh, positioning our brand. And it was funny, I don't remember who asked me, but someone recently asked me, how did you know, did you have a crystal ball that this was going to be happening now that we have TikTok and stories? And I was like, no, that didn't even exist back then. Snapchat was what we had. That was it. And so I just had this feeling because it had impacted my life so much that this was a new way that we were going to be communicating. And here we are now all, all doing it, especially after last year where most of us were 100% digital. If I didn't have my stories and TikTok and all that, I wouldn't have felt connected. That was like the one bright light of my day, a, a sense of normalcy, if you will, that I was able to open up and watch people's stories and feel as though that I was still in that story with them and had some kind of connection. So that was the first book, um, basically about the neuroscience of, of facial recognition and how we actually connect with each other and um yeah well I, you know we met at the gary vaynerchuk event um i had just started someone had said well certainly you follow um chelsea pites i'm like no i don't who's that and, and they they introduced me to, to you and i had literally maybe started following you three days before that event and then when i got to the event and i saw you across the room in red red leopard like right leopard pattern and I'm like oh my god this girl like and I and I like I felt like you were a celebrity I'm like oh I'm I, I gotta go up to her and introduce myself but I'm you know intimidated because she's such a celebrity and then you know you were so cool and so approachable and we became fast friends from that event on and now you know I think your son is like I can't wait to hire your son as a leasing agent Mason 
Yeah. He's what, seven or eight. So I have a few years to wait. Yeah. You got about but, 10 years, but he's ready for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so, and you know, for me, and, and I know you're on TikTok and LinkedIn and Facebook, but I really, when I think of you, I think of Instagram and I, and that's where I follow you. And like, when you go, okay, I'm going to teach you guys about reels. I'm like, uh, like I'm, I'm good with stories. And I've learned recently because of clubhouse, which we are simultaneously running this through Greg's clubhouse account. Thank you, Greg. Uh, um, all of a sudden I went from no followers on Instagram to thousands because of clubhouse, because that's the link. Uh, I, I figured I, I said, okay, I have to up my Instagram game. So then I went back to the book to reread your, your advice on that. So uh, we can, we can talk about a lot of different things, but for this audience, I think talking about Instagram and, and talking about your advice is probably what I think will um, impact my audience, which is commercial real estate folks the most, you, you know, you, you split your book into three uh, areas, building the brand, building the content and building the reach, which I love the organization of that because some people might need to learn about building the brand or some people that might already have a brand might just want to look at, you know, it's, it's a great book to pick up. Even like I read it once and then I went back and was reading it and I'm like, let me look at reach or let me just look at content because brand, I might already have that, right? So, or someone might have reach, but not brand. So I like how you organize that, but let's talk about a lot of people ask me, should I have different pages on my platforms for my personal versus my business brand? So what do you recommend on that? Yeah. And, and to your point, I was going to say a lot of people jump in on the content and the reach because they want to make content. They know they have to post something and they want that content to go somewhere and they want that awareness to go somewhere, which is that reach part. But the branding part oftentimes, and I'm not a branding expert by any means, um, branding people think might be your logo, your color scheme, your fonts, which that is a part of it. But there is such an important piece in the personal branding, which just means you as a human being. And there's a lot of nervousness and anxiety around the idea, especially say on a LinkedIn, where you might say, mm, I want to be human and relatable, but I'm not sure if I can show up as a human being and also be a professional or a thought leader in my niche, which in my mind, you absolutely can be human and also a leading professional in your niche and industry. So it's, it's a mindset challenge. And a lot of people do ask me, should I keep it separate? And so we talk about the idea of which feels awkward and strange because, you know, we don't want it to be about us. We don't want it to be, you know, egocentric, ego focused. It's my reality TV show. But I think now that we've all gone through 2020, which was something none of us had experienced before, I'm hoping that there's a little bit more openness to the idea that we can connect as human beings through technology and you can be personal, which is human, meaning if you like to walk, if you like to read books, if you're in a book club um, and still not be private, you can keep those things private, but you can have a few things that actually come into a relatable category. And then people will start to do that, you know, the age old, like, no, trust you. So I'm a big believer in combining uh, both sort of that personal human brand, and then also what you're doing. And 
I think personally, commercial real estate is much more interesting than residential real estate, in my opinion, because we don't know about what goes into leasing and the buildings and the behind the scenes and how projects are started and, and how they are getting made. We don't, I don't know any of that. I find that fascinating. And sometimes what we find, um, you know, commonplace, boring is totally fascinating to other people. And so I think that behind the scenes um, is extremely important. And it's a great way to talk about what you do and remind people without talking about what you do. For example, you went to the conference yesterday. I saw that I'm, I'm commercial conference. Okay. I know exactly what you're doing. You're active, you're involved in the community and you are connecting with other people. You didn't tell me that you didn't say I'm the most connected person in this industry. I met with, you know, 33 people today. You just showed the behind the scenes of where you were at. And that was the message that I received. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I love you. I love your son more. Sorry. That's okay. Everybody (laughs) does. And that's not really true, but you know, it's so funny that whenever I, I cannot tell you how many people is. So if there were 1200 people at the conference yesterday, I am not lying. If I told you 75 to 80 came up to me and said, wow, Mario turned 18. That blows my mind. I remember and golfing. When you, went- you got golf clubs and loved them. See, I know that because I watched it. <laughs> exactly. So people are like, I remember when you adopted him, he's 18 already. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the connection. And, and I, what I tell people is when you go to conferences, we have a big, our big conferences every May, not this year in Vegas, where there's 40,000 people. And when the, for the people that are not on social media platforms, I always, I always tease them or I educate them. If you're not on social media platforms, when you go to Vegas for the big conference, when you walk, run into someone for the first time, like Chelsea, if I saw you for the first time, I'm immediately, immediately going to say, oh my gosh, you know, how's Mason doing trading his toys in the front yard? But if you're not on social, the two questions are, oh, hi, when did you get in and where are you staying? It's like, I, I, I put a, a challenge out there last year. I said, count how many people that say, when did you get in and where are you staying versus the people that you are engaged with on social that say, you know, how did Morgan do in her audition? Or, you know, how, how's the new, you know, what's going on in Cleveland, Greg, or, or Debbie, you know, oh, Debbie's son Harris is cooking more. That's, you know, it's networking. I, I say networking on steroids and people say that's a negative term, but it's so true that we can have deeper relationships because of this silly thing on the internet. Mm-hmm. And if you can have a deeper relationship, you're going to like and trust the person and then do business. Right. Exactly. So, okay. So that was it. So, so you agree with, and I agree with you combine the personal and business, right? Yes. So the next question or the next uh, topic that you talked about is um, value prop and niche. So, you know, someone just said to me the other day, he said, I I used to own, this is what he said at the conference. I owned a restaurant. I'm now in commercial. I thought it would be easier. It's not really easy. And I go, well, what do you do? And he goes, well, I rep tenants. I, I, he goes, I rep restaurants, I sell restaurants, I sell shopping centers. And I said, riches are in the niches, honey. So, you know, the reason you're not being successful is you're all over the place. So talk to us about that with social. 
Yeah. So I am very transparent about my journey in social media because I was, I've been in the industry 22 years well before social media existed. And for me, I was terrified to niche down. I was afraid I would miss opportunity if I didn't do it all. And because I got burned out, I was forced into a niche because I was just like, I don't want to do any of this anymore. I'm just going to focus on this because I'm burned out. And what happened was absolutely the opposite of what I was afraid of. It actually helped me get very focused and to start really building sort of that brand awareness. And this funny thing happens when you're in a, in a niche is that sometimes you actually can grow out to other niches because you can uh, implement what you've done and kind of, you know, find a, a synergy with it. So I understand the fear of niching down and I was there and I did it and I got forced into it and I wish I would have done it sooner. And um, so as far as content and social media, when you do have a niche, you know, does this apply to it or not? If I'm talking about gluten-free bakeries as my niche or my niche, I'm not going to talk about, you know, anything else other than that. Does it fit into this category? So all of a sudden it becomes very clear what you need to talk about and what businesses you need to go to and the bakeries you need to highlight and all the things. Um, as far as the value proposition, you know, I just simplify that now as what's your superpower. And that, in my opinion, at least for me, was extremely difficult. It's very hard for me to think about myself and to talk about myself and my strengths. And then, of course, articulate those. And I think that was a function of sort of how I was raised and, you know, maybe the, the family that I was in. Um, but I think it's really challenging for most of us to talk about ourselves. And because we have that sort of like, you know, barrier, it's hard for us to get really specific on what our superpower is. So that value prop is what's your superpower and how does it impact or benefit your customers? And um, it's really, really difficult. And I will tell you, it probably took me about two and a half years to get from when I started to where I'm at now. And so I give you the permission to let it evolve, but you need to start writing something down. If you have to ask somebody who knows you really well, have them get you started with, you know, just words, just words, adjectives, um, verbs that are positive and just start writing those things down. And then once you kind of write them down, you'll start to, you know, something might just come into your mind. I cannot sit at a blank page and start writing. That's just not how my brain works. So I kind of brain dump and then I open up the energy, you know, field, and then it might just hit me three months later. So I wish I could sit down and just put it all on paper, but you have to get really clear on who you want to work with. And you have to get clear on specifically like what your superpower is. My superpower is taking really complex things that scare people and really distilling it down into super easy, digestible, understandable concepts that you can feel empowered and not overwhelmed. And the reason that I do that is because my brain gets overwhelmed a lot. So for me to learn things and implement them, I had to break it down in that specific level. A lot of people say, oh, your book is like really well organized. I'm like, is it? I just couldn't, th I had to break it down into those levels because that's how my thought process works. So you have to know what you're really, really good at. And a lot of times it's the thing that we struggle with that we become experts and superpowers as in is those things where I have a hard time learning things. And so my superpower now is helping people learn hard things in an easy way. Wow. 
I love that. So you, you said, okay, this is something that I wish I was stronger in. So let me flip that and let me teach that. And let me teach that in that manner, because I know there are people like that, that like me out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. Well, are you from the Midwest originally? No, you, or where, where were you born and raised? Yes. So I was actually born in Nebraska, but I grew up in Southern California in the desert Palm Springs area. And then, um, I've spent the last, well, gosh, I moved to Arizona in 93. So I've been here since 93. So, um, I have a lot of superpowers. I, even though I was raised in Wisconsin and the whole Midwest, you know, I'm not afraid, but I'll tell you, Chelsea, one of my superpowers is pulling out of people, their superpowers and making them feel confident about themselves. So I love figuring out what your superpower is. And, and I have clients and friends who have unbelievable superpowers, but don't know it and are are thinking that it's not okay to talk about it. And I like I, yell at them. I'm going to mention too what you said, because you, I mean, your brand of course is in the commercial real estate space, but your superpower you just mentioned has nothing to do with commercial real estate. And that is perfectly fine because it will find its way. But a lot of people say, oh, but that doesn't really apply to what I do. It absolutely impacts who you work with, the relationships that you create. So I'm glad you said that because that often is something that you know, people will think about what is my strength? What are my passions? What's something that I did in a previous job for 30 years, you know, teacher, whatever it might be. So I'm so grateful that you just said that because your superpower does not have to specifically be what you do. Selling a house or selling. Yeah. It doesn't have to be selling a house or leasing a space. It could be teaching someone how to fill vacancies. Yeah. And you're incredible at doing that. You're incredible at connecting people with other people. That's part of that process of helping people see the superpower in themselves. And you are a mentor to many people in your industry. And that's part of that as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I did is in the beginning on social, when we're all learning, because I literally just got into this, I think six years ago. Before that, I was not on Facebook. I was not on any platform. And But in the beginning, I, I would say to people exactly what your advice was. I would say, what do you know me as? Like what, and, and, and people said teaching leasing agents. And I'm like, okay, that's what I want you to know me for. Therefore, the brand on social that I'm putting out. And I say this when I'm in my classes and they're asking me about social media, well, how do we create our avatar, our perfect customer? And and for my leasing people, their customers are tenants and prospects. But I said, where, you know, but you've got to post to that. So let's talk about identifying, you know, this fancy word avatar in social media. One day I was in a, in a, in a workshop. I'm like, what is that word? Like, I always say, if I hear a word and I don't know what it is. And I remember the person looking at me like strange. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like your perfect customer. Okay. So talk about identifying the, the, the perfect customer and then posting content to that person. 
Um, I think that there's maybe two ways you can go with this because I understand that this could be a little bit challenging too. You might actually have several different categories of ideal customers and that's perfectly okay too. Um, and you might have a really tough time figuring out who your quote unquote perfect customer is. And in that case, I just say, imagine you're the perfect customer. Um, I actually am making content for myself now, which is something very out of my realm. I've never done that. Um, I've always made content for other people, but I am making content for myself in the form of reels because I want to have fun with what I'm doing as well. And so I've made a personal decision to start doing some, some more of that. So you can use yourself or you can have sort of like your ideal customer and it's okay if that evolves and changes. It is okay if you start with one, you know, type of, of client in mind, and then that evolves over time as well. It's just a starting point to help you, you know, have sort of a jumping off place, if you will, to, to get more focused and to think about what are the needs? What are the challenges that I keep hearing again and again and again? So for example, for me, um, you know, my ideal customer is someone who is, you know, my age or, or older, you know, forties or older, probably a parent, someone who's feeling a little bit overwhelmed by all the socials, doesn't have, feel like they have the time and doesn't want to take the time to actually learn it because it's just too much at once. That is my perfect customer. I want somebody who is afraid of social media, because I know that I can relate to them and help them understand how to take a little piece at a time and not be overwhelmed and have a long-term sustainable strategy that isn't going to lose their sanity. So, um, you have to kind of know who you want to work with as well. Your ideal customer might be someone you don't work with yet. It might, you might not have worked with that person, but it will kind of give you this, you know, vision board, if you will, of how to speak to that person. So I think a mix of doing something that you actually enjoy, because if we don't enjoy doing social media, what's the point of doing it? I mean, in my opinion, I don't wanna do something that I can't stand. And I'm giving you permission that if you don't like to be on one platform, then don't spend all of your time there. Spend the time where you really enjoy it because we are not social media marketers. I mean, I am, but you are not, you know, that is not your job. And even in somebody who that is my job, I get burnt out. I don't feel like posting sometimes. I don't want to be over here and over there and all that. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm a human being and I know that I will personally burn out if I don't um, sort of, you know, pay attention to those things and say, you know what, I can't do it all. And that's okay. I'm going to excel in one particular area and I'm going to figure out what I love the most. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, you've definitely, you've got to enjoy it. If, if you do it, you need to enjoy it or you will burn out and you'll give up. And consistency is so important, right? right. Um, so as we continue to talk about the next, we talked about building brand, which is section one of the book. Section two is building content, which we've kind of addressed also. Um, building reach, we can talk about next. But before we do that, if you guys have any questions, put them in the chat. And I'm sure Chelsea will be able will be happy to answer them. You talk about in the book when you talk about content is the five E's. Mm -hmm. Do you want to check? Can you give us two of the E's? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll even give you some bonuses because I've even expanded. Um, I it's funny that's how my brain works. I like things that rhyme and things that are in alphabetical lists. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that helps anyone else, but that's what how I work. But 
you know, people and, and including myself kept saying, I, I personally need a framework. I can go to these conferences and get these high level things. I'm like, no, I need an example. Like if you want to talk about how to do a commercial Instagram reel, no, I need to see it. You need to show me some ideas because I'm just not putting it together in my, in my head. So I just put this together in sort of a bucket or a framework of the different types of content that you might fall into a category. So we'll just keep it simple. Probably the two biggest ones, educational and entertaining. And now I feel like we're in a trend where those are coming together and that's becoming very uh, stressful for content creators, even somebody who creates content every day like myself, because it's a different type of process. We're now starting with TikTok and Reels and YouTube Shorts. We're in this micro video world where content is shrinking. It's going down to 15 seconds. We're starting to see and experience that more. And it's typically highly edited. And I am not an editor. I don't like editing. I don't think in in terms of um, a movie producer where it's different clips. And that's been a real stretch for me. And so I can see how that might be very intimidating to people. And they might say, "Mm, yeah, this this really isn't for me. But I I would say that in two, three years, that's probably going to be the norm. So it, it is time to be thinking about, you know, taking the time to learn how to do that, just consuming that content so you can kind of you know, after you watch it for a long while, it could be months, you kind of start to get a little bit of a flavor for it. Um, but so educational, entertaining content, but I'm going to give you a couple of extra ones that aren't in the book. So I'm not writing another book, by the way, that was it. So <laughs> um, I'm now I hear you. focusing on the next list, which is, okay, once you create this content, maybe it's educational, maybe it's entertaining. Let's add the next layer, which kind of moves into reach as well. So I'm on sort of the S list now. That was the E list. We're on the S list. And my S list is the first thing we need to look at is, are you searchable? You know, if you're especially on Instagram, are you optimized on your profile? If you're on LinkedIn, what does your about section look like? What does your headline look like? Are you using hashtags? Are they well-researched hashtags? So all of those things really matter because if you're creating content and people aren't finding it, that is not going to be ideal for you. When it comes to videos, are you using closed captioning? Are you um, using that for inclusivity, accessibility, search engine optimization? So the first category is searchable because we want you to get found. Then our goal is, is it shareable? Is it savable? Is it content that people actually want to engage with? So I wouldn't do that every time I post. I would say once a month, try to challenge yourself to create something that somebody might want to share or somebody might want to save, whether they want to come back later to it or it impacted them and they don't want to forget about it. That's a little bit hard to do because content that's shareable and savable is not about you. It's not that cute picture of your dog or the family photo. Those are great human pieces we need where people will engage, but I'm not going to share someone's family photo. So it has to be usually something that's inspirational, motivational, educational, or entertaining. And so that takes a little bit of extra time to think about that. So what I want you to do for the next few weeks is look at what you save, look at what you share. That is what other people will save and share. So it's searchable, shareable, savable. The last two story focused, which kind of goes more into that personal behind the scenes, what's happening. Um, you know, think about, how can you create some content that's a little bit relatable to somebody who's watching it? <coughs> Excuse me. I, 
bless you. I didn't get to go to that conference. So I would enjoy seeing what happened and maybe what the topics were that people talked about and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and then the last S is uh, starts conversations. And I think this is the easiest one that anyone can do right now. Probably the most under leveraged as well, because it's this huge focus on content but we forget about the comments. And I always talk about commenting over contenting as a way to really build your brand in this top of mind brand awareness, because let's face it, the socials have enough content. They have enough content. There is a lot of content stress when you have to create a piece of content. Um, so the one thing that we can all do with no excuses, because there's no video involved, <laughs> there's, there's no thinking of copywriting is talking to people. It's talking to people, commenting thoughtfully, adding to the conversation, not saying great video, because then I know you didn't watch it, but actually consuming some of the content, talking to people, sending a direct message and, you know, keeping that top of mind brand awareness in a very human way. But also what happens is then you kind of work with and train the algorithm because the more I talk to Beth, the more I see of Beth and the more she sees of me. So that would be, you know, the one thing that I would say you could start right now um, and start doing. Well, so I, I um, never thought about posting something shareable and savable. And I can already think of a few things that I think people would share and save. So I'm definitely going to do that and I'll report back to you. Um, so what do you think about LinkedIn stories? Oh, this is a great topic. <laughs> when LinkedIn stories was coming out, I remember I posted on LinkedIn and asked the community, I said, well, what do you think? Are you excited about this? Do you think this is a new addition that you're looking forward to using? And I was actually very surprised that the overwhelming sentiment I received back was that people were not excited about it. They did not want to see it in LinkedIn. And the reasons that I saw on the comments were along the lines of, this is a platform that's different than Facebook and Instagram, and that's why I like it. Or this is a professional uh, platform. I don't want it to be ruined by seeing the behind the scenes of someone's daily life. And I was pretty floored by that because in my mind, I thought, wow, if I could see a little bit of the human side of an incredible CEO of this huge company, um, I would want to work with that company more or buy their products. Like I felt like that would be so interesting for me as a consumer um, to see a little bit of, of that. That's kind of why I like watching Shark Tank because I feel like I get to see a little bit of the human being of, you know, the Mark Cubans of the world and uh, all of those other, other types of shows like that. So I was really surprised, but I think again, it's that mindset of, I can't be a human being and professional at the same time. And I think that's, you know, there's a big line. And for years, that's what we told people on social media, have a business section, have your personal over here. Don't let it mix. There is a big difference between personal, which is human relatable and private reading a book and being in a book club totally personal, human relatable. We all, you know, read books, blogs, podcasts, et cetera. That is something that we can connect with other people. And what I do find is the people who talk to me from LinkedIn stories are different than the people who talk to me in the comments. And I'm wondering if perhaps that's because sometimes there's a little bit of a pressure to come up with an expert, you know, insight on something that someone is posting um, or that it's public and other people can read it. 
So I think it's a really uh, incredible, uh, incredible format to use. I think it's a very human format, which can be scary for some. But what I'll tell you is that when you open up your app, there's very few active stories. You have an opportunity, even if you posted something that wasn't honestly very exciting. Here's my coffee cup. Good morning. <laughs> You're still going to show up at the top of every single person who's connected with you that feed. And they basically have to see your face and your name. Um, so I, I say it's, you know, a yes, but you know me, I'm a huge fanatic of the story format in Instagram. So I am biased. Um, but yes, I, I know there's a lot of hesitance in, in embracing it some because they just aren't familiar with the format and then some, because, you know, they don't want to, you know, see people's in their words, salads, they're posting for lunch, you know, which I, um, yeah, in the beginning I loved it and I posted all of the time and I, and frankly have with clubhouse completely forgot about it literally until I, I don't think I posted a story on LinkedIn because I started, I, I then because of clubhouse started getting way more active on Instagram and I forgot about LinkedIn stories until this conversation. It's like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just realized I haven't posted a LinkedIn story. And I, when I was doing it every day, I loved it because you can see Mm-hmm. who's viewing versus on regular LinkedIn, I could have, you know, a thousand views and not know who those views are. But on stories, you absolutely see, you know, the head of real estate for Home Depot looked at your story. And, and that is powerful in our world to know who's looking. Right. So, exactly. but, um, so Greg, uh, Greg has a question about hashtags. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So just, Quick question about, so what are the most popular hashtags people can use on the platforms that may make them more searchable? So hashtags, for those who are a little bit confused on exactly what they are, it's, it's of course, the pound or the number symbol added to a word or series of words, phrases, and essentially what it does is it helps us sort and serve the content. Uh, it's kind of like going down the dairy aisle of the grocery store. You know what to expect. If you're looking for dairy products, that's where you're going to go. So that's kind of how the hashtags work. Um, specifically on Instagram, yes, hashtags work on all the platforms, but Facebook really isn't, you know, deep diving on that. Instagram, LinkedIn, absolutely, you want to use hashtags. On Instagram, there's so much content. Um, and they've been using hashtags for so many years that my strategy there is honestly, you need to sit down, do about 30 minutes of research just on your phone. You don't need anything paid. It's totally free. You go to the explore page, which is a little magnifying glass on, um, Instagram. And there's a search box type in words, CRE, commercial real estate, whatever those types of words are. Um, I would also recommend typing in words that have to do with the area that you're in. So if you're in Florida, you want to start looking at those types of hashtags because once you start using them, um, Instagram is going to say, okay, we see a trend here. You clearly are interested in these types of, uh, pieces of content. And this is what your brand is about. And then I would follow those hashtags. You can follow hashtags on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And that again is data points to the machine. Cause it's all just a bunch of data points and it's going to serve you content based on what kind of data that you're giving it. So um, it's different in Instagram and LinkedIn. LinkedIn, when you look at hashtags, it'll tell you how many people are following it. And I think, I can't remember what commercial real estate is, but I think it's in the millions. 
Um, and so that's kind of a larger hashtag. Uh, but on Instagram, it will tell you how many posts are using it. And what I've been doing lately is I try to stay in sort of the smaller realm of hashtags. I try to stay in like the thousands, the tens of thousands and like the low six figure hashtags. Um, a lot of people make the mistake of going for like the really big popular ones. And there's so much content flowing. It just, you're not going to rank for anything. It's just too much to sort through because it, it is a machine and there's millions and millions of content pieces. And so it has to sort through all that stuff. So that is how I um, research. I just type in words, rinse and repeat. I have my Netflix on. It's not hard. <laughs> and just, you know, typing in words. And I actually put mine in a spreadsheet just so that I can keep it. You don't have to get that detailed about it. And I also save it in the notes on my phone so that I can copy paste or have like lists of, of ones that I copy and paste. But it really does help the machine understand more about who you want to be seen by and also what your content is about. So there isn't a specific best hashtag. You have to do a lot of uh, some research and I have, I don't know. I mean, now I have a list of probably a couple hundred that I might use and pick from and different, you know, categories, but I did talk to Instagram about three weeks ago and we did talk about hashtags and um, you know, again, their recommendation was very, very, very relevant to what your content is about. That's, that's ideal. Should there be a cap of how many hashtags I know on LinkedIn, you're capped at word count. So if you have a long post, you might not have room to do a hashtag on Instagram. I, I like, I don't think I've ever hashtagged on Instagram, on any post, like shame on me. I'm going to start working on that on LinkedIn. I do. Um, and you would be surprised Barry Wolf actually, you know, uh, what a great guy he is about three years ago, he hired someone, I think, or someone on his team did a research and he did like the top 50 hashtags for commercial real estate on LinkedIn. And we were all shocked that something like commercial real estate had less than something like commercial real estate and in retail leasing, or it was bizarre the, the differences of the numbers, but is there a cap on Instagram for hashtags? Yes. So in the caption of a feed post, you can have up to 30 hashtags. That's a lot. I kind of think of it like a lottery ticket. If I came in and said, Hey, if all these lottery tickets are on me. Do you want one or 30? Uh, we'd probably all pick 30. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a million and one articles. I, even Instagram told me for real specifically that, you know, that less might be better. Um, but I figure if they give you the opportunity, why not use it? So um, you can have up to 30. Now, if you don't use a hashtag in Instagram, here's what happens. Um, nobody news ever can see it. It's basically just the people that you already connect with. Um, are going to see your post. They have to follow you to see your post. But if you use hashtags, now other people who might be interested in that topic will be able to find you. So it is somewhat of a growth strategy. Now, the other tip is I'm going to give you is be aware of what your customers are going to be looking for. So um, I'm going to pick something outside of residential and commercial real estate. So let's talk about mortgages. Uh, a lot of consumers that would be their clients aren't coming to Instagram and looking for mortgage information, right? So hashtag top producer or hashtag LO life 
not going to really attract the right audience. So that's why I talked about local. Now your specific audience um, would probably be looking for like retail leasing or, or something like that, more sort of that industry lingo. So be thoughtful about not just picking hashtags that describe your industry, but know what terms your customer is actually going to be looking for. So, you know, I just got hired to do the pop-up experience for the NBA All-Stars game and the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Cleveland. And I've been DMing Cleveland small business because my part in it is to get, obviously, hometown Cleveland retailers involved. And I'm going to go back now and repost and put hashtag Cleveland, hashtag Cleveland small business because that will open it up to them. So I'm so glad. Think I knew I would learn a lot. I've ar- I've taken two pages of notes already. So yeah, I'm always happy to help with hashtags. It's kind of a weird, confusing world in there. So yeah, that's awesome. Barry, yeah. I think Barry has a question. Yeah, real quick on hashtags. I had somebody I was talking to, and I know you hear different things on on this. And um, I'm sure who it was. It's one of these LinkedIn guru guys, uh, and seems seemed like he knows what he's talking about. But he mentioned. You don't want to have more than three hashtags on a post on LinkedIn that the algorithm basically ignores everything after the third one. So I started just doing three. Is that true? Not true? No way to know? Yeah, so LinkedIn a little bit different than Instagram on hashtags, um, different, a little bit of a different strategy, but I've heard the same. I've read so many excellent research articles by LinkedIn experts who have talked about you know, three to seven is sort of the sweet spot. If you go more than 10, you might as well not even post any. Um, so I, there's nothing that I've seen other than those experts research reports, nothing that's come directly from LinkedIn. Um, so I think the, the general answer people are getting is probably, you know, three to seven, three to nine, something around in there. Thanks. They never really fully tell you all the secret sauce. Like when I've actually talked to Instagram directly um, and asked questions that could have been answered very specifically, uh, it's it's never fully like disclosed, if you will. So I'm sure that they they're unable to give away all of the the exact information. So can we switch for the last couple of minutes we have with you? What are your thoughts about Clubhouse? So I, of course, was an early like clubhouse fanatic, loved it. I did love the idea because quite frankly, all of us got zoomed out for so many months of being on camera. It was really nice to be able to multitask and do something else while I was still participating in a live event. I think that social audio in general will continue to be around and clearly everybody is going to rip off Clubhouse and put it into every single one of their platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of them are are testing that. Um, So I like audio and any kind of audio because it is passive, meaning I can do those other things while I'm, I'm, I'm still listening to it. I could be on the Peloton if I really wanted to. Um, So I think there's a a high value for that. I also think that in, in tying it back almost to the podcast world, I think the statistic is something like 85% of people that listen to a podcast episode, listen to the whole thing because of that passivity. So I think that the opportunity to really build brand connections and 
for us on Instagram, it was brilliant because you had to go to Instagram to talk to someone. I can't believe they even did that. I, I, I'm actually quite shocked that they did that. Um, but it was phenomenal to, to grow a connected group. If I'm in a group, a room of 30 people that are all interested in the same topic, those are highly targeted people I want to be connected with on Instagram. Um, so obviously not everything, like once Instagram launches it, it's not going to have the you know same, same effect, so to speak. But I think it's great to be able to uh, create a room and talk to people live and listen in and ask questions. Um, I prefer it now more so than just watching a YouTube or, or even a podcast because I could ask questions if I wanted to or hear other people ask questions. So I think that the ability to reach out to someone who otherwise wouldn't have given me the time of day, I got to be in the room with the head of LinkedIn. That person's never going to respond. I'm assuming <laughs> never going to respond to my LinkedIn message. Um, so I think there's some really cool opportunity there. Yeah, I am. Um... I jumped in, I joined December 30th and I said, okay, I'm going to spend 30 days. I'm going to go all in and figure out if this is for me or not. And the reason I even considered it was I saw Damon John and Grant Cardone on it for 10 hours a day. And I'm like, okay, they're smarter and richer than me. I'm going to figure this out. And my, so I did, I was on six hours a day for a month. I was on it six to nine in the morning where I was working out, walking, eating breakfast, and then, and I would listen mostly in the morning and sometimes offer opinions. And then at night I would host my own rooms from six to nine so that during my work day I could work. And, um, my, you know, my boys didn't like it at night too much. Oh, she's on clubhouse again. But, um, it, you know, and so now I'm probably on it less than five hours a week now, but it grew my followers on Clubhouse, like because I was on early and I spoke up a lot, it, I grew a lot of followers there. So now when I pop into a room, um, I, I get invited up to speak and, and speaking is really important because if it's in a topic we would like to engage people, then they follow. And then that, it blows my mind what had happened to my Instagram because of Clubhouse. You know, I don't know if they intended that, if they, if that was an unintended consequence, but it, they definitely helped Instagram and, um, and, um, uh, absolutely. I was in the, Elon, I, I went to sleep, set my alarm and woke up and went into the Elon Musk room because when you can hear Elon Musk in an unrecorded, mm -hmm. you know, off the cuff. I think it's great. So, so I think connections and education, which I think is what you said, uh, and and having the opportunity to speak up and, and and comment on something that we are we do have a superpower in, and then other people follow us. I think that the live component, when you have something that's unedited and not pre-recorded, in my mind anyway, I feel like I can really um, what's the right word? I can really determine almost like a, a trial run. Like, does somebody really know what they're talking about? Because this is a live forum. And wow. so I, I I I reached out and connected with a lot of people because I felt like I had already in my mind, yep, they've proven to me that they know what they're talking about. And that's kind of what I think I miss about the live conferences is when you're on a stage, 
you're live. I mean, yes, you're rehearsed to some degree, but so I think for me that that element was great for me and for my brand. And, and I'm sure you experienced the same where people, when you actually were forced to talk because there's no other way to communicate, there was no recording, no editing. You were just up there live. People really saw, oh, okay, well, this person seems like they really know what they're talking about. And so it was great for, for networking and sort of that like sneak peek of what you might really get with that person. Yeah, 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 for sure. So Chelsea, my dear friend, thank you so much for being part of the Rockstar Book Club. You know, we're going on our fifth year. That's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so honored. And I encourage every, you know, Lee Lancourt already posted, I'm buying the book. Greg's like, you got to buy the book. So I know people that will listen. I highly encourage you to invest in your future on social. It's like, like Chelsea said, very well organized, really great practical tips, pictures. I love the pictures. So definitely get the book. And Chelsea is great at answering DMs. She's very approachable. Um, even though I was intimidated walking up to her because she's such a celebrity, but she's so approachable, pretty, very, very responsive. So thank you, my dear. I really appreciate it. Please give a hug and kiss to Mason for me. I he will. probably won't want a kiss. So just a hug. <laughs> I will. Thank you all for having me. Thanks for spending the time with me today. I hope I will see everyone on Instagram. So let's connect. There you go. And before I lose my audience and Chelsea, you can uh, bug out if you want, but next month's book club, uh, Barry, you're going to be so happy to know this is one of Barry's favorites, Darren Hardy, the compound effect, how to jumpstart your income, your life and your success. And that will be in June. So start reading or listening to the book now, Greg, any, uh, any ending thoughts from you, my dear? Um, you know, I just, I, I think the way this book laid out, I, the, the biggest tip that I got from it was the 161 pieces of content that you could share at any given time. Um, I sent that to a bunch of pods and in, in, in LinkedIn and the people that really are new to social media or new to LinkedIn or whatever it may be. I mean, they just, they get a kick out of it. And just that type of practical application is so critical. So thank you for, for putting that together and um, definitely is something that many people should, should follow because it's really helpful. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. That, that was in my notes, Greg, but I didn't get to it because she's such a wealth of information. So thanks for bringing that up. All right, guys, have a great week, a great start of the summer, and we'll see you in June. Chelsea, love you. Thank you so much. Later. Bye. Thanks. Bye.